Welcome to the Foul Vine Podcast with Sarah and Scotty Moe, where everything wine and baseball is in fair territory. Today we will be drinking a Spanish red blend, discussing league news, and interviewing a very special guest known as Papa Stein. Grab a glass and join us. Look, big paper, I increase my wealth, uh, red wine, that's good for my health, uh, wrestle with demons, I ain't take no L's, uh, allow me to introduce myself, I said... Today we will be drinking a Vina Haraba Reserva 2016. Ooh, nice. The Spanish Red. So All right. First Spanish wine of the Falvon podcast. Love that. We also have our first in-studio guest. We do. And I have a feeling you might know him very well, Sarah. Would you like to give an introduction? Yes. So um, we have on the podcast today, Mr. or Senor David Steinberg, also known as Papa Stein my father welcome to the podcast thank you it's great to be here muchas gracias por todo perfecto um how would you introduce yourself to the people out there uh as uh, sarah's dad as kim's husband as nate's dad and a lifelong yankee fan there you go not that i love to hear that's a good answer so yeah welcome to the podcast welcome to the studio um you'll be drinking wine with us along today and then we'll get into some questions for you how's that sound sounds like a plan to me i may have popped a little bit early it's okay so tell us no worries tell us about what we're drinking today scotty so today we have the vina haraba reserva 2016 it comes from the pago de la haraba vineyard it's a family-owned winery in the heart of the la mancha region in central spain um, there are three grape varieties in this wine. It's 70% Tempranillo, 20% Cabernet Sauvignon, and 10% Merlot. But uh, today I want to focus on the Tempranillo because this is the first time we're drinking a Tempranillo grape. Um, this is a black grape variety known to make full-body wines in its native Spain. The name comes from the Spanish term, te- term Temprano, meaning early. Um, this is a reference to the fact that um, the, the grape ripens several weeks earlier than most Spanish red grapes. Tempranillo has been grown on the Iberian Peninsula since the time of the Phoenician settlement. So it's been around for a very long time. Um, and un- unlike other more aromatic red wine varieties like Cabernet, Sangiovese, or Pinot Noir, the Tempranillo has a more neutral p- profile. So it's often blended with other grape varieties or aged for extended period- periods of time in oak where the wine easily takes on the flavor of the barrel. So this is our first Spanish red. Um, I'm excited to try it. What were you going to say, Dad? No, I was just going to say from the time of the Phoenicians, which is before our time, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, well before. Well before. <laughs> well before. Before the Spaniards, in fact. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's also 20% cab and 10% Merlot. So this is a red blend. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to try it. Yeah, so am I. Um, thanks for bringing a Spanish one to the pod. And yeah, let's get into it. Pour us a glass. Tres Quick ASMR break. Vasos. Tres vasos de vino tinto. All righty. All right. Toast to the foul vine. Salud, pesetas y amor y tiempo para gozarlos. Uh, to your health, to your, uh, to, ma- to, to money, oh, yeah. and to love. And time to enjoy them. And time to enjoy them. I love the end of love that. Love that. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you smell? I smell the deep fruits that you were referencing. 
smoke it's smoky too mm. it is i can feel that uh it's been in that barrel for a good while very oaky mm. and definitely uh like a black fruit as well but it, I, i'm the the smokiness is what I'm, I'm smelling the most here yeah so i just took my first sip i'm definitely tasting the smokiness and the like a blackberry for sure i get a lot of notes of blackberry Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. It even has the, the color of a blackberry. It does. It's very dark. Yes, very dark red. a ripe blackberry. Mm. Also, it. I mean, it, it also noted. I was looking at the website of the winery. They said that the um, wines are bottled unfiltered, allowing the maximum expression of the grapes to show in the glass. Hmm. So, thought that was interesting. Yeah. Tempranillo. I wonder if Don Quixote drank some of this wine because it's, he isn't this his region, Don Quixote. It is. It Mancha? is. It, it mentions that on the glass on the bottle, I it think. It does. Really? I read it somewhere, but La Mancha is the region of Don Quixote. Yes. Yeah. 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 Men La Mancha. That's right. He was the man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. So we're gonna sip this tempranillo throughout the episode. Yep, and then we're going to discuss some league news and uh, discuss some baseball with Papa Stein. All right, let's get into it. Yes. All righty, so for league news, we have a lot going on this week, a few trades. Um, first, I want to bring up Scott Rowland was elected to the MLB Hall of Fame. Yeah, congratulations, Scott. Yes. Yeah, it's much deserved. I think it's. Uh, I I thought he should have been voted in the last few times. You know how this voting process is, but mm -hmm. um, him and Fred McGriff, I believe, will be at the Hall of Fame ceremony in the summer in Cooperstown. Yeah, Dad, do you remember watching Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff? Uh, no, well, I did on television, but not in person. Okay, yeah. Also, um, we have our first female skipper at High A and for the Hillsboro Hops of the ooh, Arizona Diamondbacks region. I may be pronouncing her name wrong. It's Ronnie Gowalnik. Gowalnik. Okay. Um, Ronnie Gowalnik uh, will be the first female skipper at the high A level, and this the Hillsborough is in Oregon, I believe, and they are the high A team for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, congrats, Ronnie. Yeah, congrats, Ronnie. That's awesome. Thanks for uh, breaking another glass ceiling. Proud of you. Also in league news, we have Dana Brown, named the Astros general manager, longtime scout and exec. Uh, second black GM manager duo in history, him and Dusty Baker. The first one was Ken Williams and Jerry Manuel with the White Sox. He was most recently the VP of scouting with the Braves in 2019 to 2022. He drafted notable young players for the Braves, Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, Von Grissom. So, um, you know, I don't think the Astros are slowing down anytime soon. They strengthen their their front office after losing their GM who just won the World Series. So. Yeah, I do think I was so surprised that James Click um left or was asked to leave or they didn't agree upon a contract um but that being said i do think this is a great fit for the astros i'm just really glad it's not dana white you know <laughs> do we know where james click is going what's that where click is going click i think is taking the year off there is no news on if he oh. is going anywhere specifically um he might be joining cliff kingsbury in thailand who knows he might be or he could be joining <laughs> Jeff Luno in Mexican uh, could be doing that, but I'm sure he'll get a job again in major league baseball. So, um, 
And then lastly, around the league, we have Rockies GM Bill Schmidt um, said that they are likely done for the offseason after adding just Pierce Johnson and Jose Urania. And he said at a uh, breakfast in Greeley, Colorado, um, that he envisions the team playing 500 ball this year. Very inspiring quote from an MLB GM. Yeah, that's uh, if I was Chris Bryant, I'd be like, what the hell? Yeah, uh, I feel bad for Rockies fans. Any No fan deserves to hear that. Um, should be all in it or or should have a better plan than going 500 so um but let's get into some trades there was a few trades this week we expect to see a little bit more before the season starts now that all the big free agents signed uh minnesota acquired pablo lopez for Luis arias so a little uh, swap between the marlins and twins the twins add to their starting rotation which they badly needed um and the marlins added a good bat uh, Luis Arias won the batting title last year in American League, pit 314, I believe, and he's going to be playing second base while uh, Kim, Kim Ang announced that uh, Jess Chisholm will be moving the center field. So that'll be an interesting move in Miami. Um, also, Minnesota acquired Michael A. Taylor from Kansas City. He's played uh, all outfield, three outfield positions. Um, maybe a sign that they're going to be moving on from Max Kepler soon. Uh, but also just another depth piece for the Twins. They, they've had a good offseason after getting Carlos Correa to fall to them here a couple weeks ago. Um, and then in the AL East, like we said a uh, couple weeks ago, Sarah, Boston was definitely not going to go into this season with Kike Hernandez since they're starting shortstop. They acquired Adalberto Mondesi from the Royals, who's always been a big na profile name. Um, but he's never played a full season, a lot of injury risk. Um, expect him with the new roles in place to be a threat on the bases. He's very good defensively. Um, just interested to see what he will do if he's healthy for, for a full season at the plate. Yeah, for sure. That's the name of the game, right? Just staying healthy because the season is so long. Every team needs that, and the teams that stay healthy are the ones that last the longest. Yeah, I think the Red Sox will want him to stay healthy, too, because um, they've lost Trevor Story for what seems to be most of the season. Um, they just lost Sander Bogarts to free agency, so they're really going to need him to step in at shortstop. Um, and then lastly, on the trade front, the Orioles acquired Cole Irvin for um, in their sorting rotation from the Athletics. He was one of the uh, A's best pitchers last year, lefty, more of a mid-rotation guy. Um, they got him for infielder Daryl Hernandez, who I believe was in Double AA, A, Triple A last year. So um, the A's are, you know, ramping up their rebuild, and the Orioles, you know, added to the rotation. I kind of expected more from them this off season because they had a lot of young guys come up last year with Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman, but um, you know their, rota their their rotation was definitely lacking. So I expected more of a big move. Hopefully, he can step in in the AL East and, and add to their rotation this year, though. Yeah, they well, Scotty, who's going to play center field for the Pirates? Good question. Good question. It looks like it's going to be Ryan Reynolds right now, but we'll, we'll see. Um, Ryan Reynolds or Brian Reynolds? Well, Brian Reynolds, but... Um, I think Ryan Reynolds could if he really wanted to. I think so. I think he'd have a spot, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it looks like Brian Reynolds right now, unless he hits the um, trademark, which that should, could be a uh, topic of discussion here. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It looks like Kutch is going to mostly DH and play some maybe right field, at least at Pansy Bar. 
and maybe some left field elsewhere. So um, we just have a couple free agents to announce too. Um, Aroldis Chapman signed with the Royals for one year, $3.75 million. Uh, why do teams <laughs> keep signing guys who have a history of domestic violence? Answer me this. That's a good question. Why do the Yankees still have Domingo Herman? Exactly. Mm -hmm. I hate it. <laughs> what else? What else? And then lastly, we have Tommy Listella just signed with the Mariners for one year. Uh, he will be infield depth. He was just with the Giants for a couple years. Um, one year, I think, was under $5 million. But, um, you know, that's Seattle looks to be deeper than last year. Look for them to be um, competing as the Astros in the AL West. But uh, that's it for league news this week. Yeah, I'm excited for the ALS. To be honest, should be should be a good fight. AL West and AL East always they're going to be fun this year. All right, well, thanks, Scotty. Lots going on, and always more to come as we head towards spring training. There is it 60 days or 59 days? 60 days to opening day. Exciting. Who's counting? Nobody. <laughs> I mean, no, we are counting. We're all counting. <laughs> We're all counting. All right, good stuff. Let's. Uh, should we get into our guest interview? Let's get into our interview. Let's. Let's. Vámonos. Yes, emborrachando. <laughs> emborrachando. Exactamente. Hey, bienvenidos a podcast, Papa Stein. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here for it. Welcome, Papa Stein. I'm I'm happy to have another Yankee fan on the podcast. Thank you, thank you. It's always good to, to see the Yankee colors flying here <laughs> in beautiful downtown Pittsburgh. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, how did you become a Yankees fan? Well, I inherited from my father. Oh, just as I did. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was a big Yankee fan. He took me to Yankee Stadium when I was a kid, when I was eight, nine years old. I remember one of the first times I, I visited Yankee Stadium with him, he bought me a, a packet of photographs of the Yankees who were on the team on the field that day, uh, black at large, blown up, blown up uh, photographs, black and whites, of you know the Mickey Mantles, Gene Woodling, Tommy Henrik, Moose Scourin, uh, Bill McDougal. Very cool. You know. So you saw Rizzuto. Mickey Mantle play. I did. And Phil Rizzuto. And Phil Rizzuto. Wow, so cool. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. I spent most of my time watching Yankee games from uh, my parents' living room on a television, and I can remember watching many games from on saturday afternoons or sunday afternoons i think it was on wpix tv was the call letters of the station but it was really rough watching the yankees play when they were losing i just couldn't take it mm. they come down you know to the seventh inning and they were down by three or four runs and i said why am i watching this they're not going to come back <laughs> oh it was rough sometimes i just have to shut the tv off for a while and come back to it and see what the final score was <laughs> but it was fun going to the games we took uh, a bus we took uh, the hudson tubes over into new york and then the, the train up to Jerome and 161st Street in the Bronx. Nice. From Newark. From Newark, New Jersey, yes. Yeah. Where so, I grew up. So who was your first favorite player? 
Uh, I suppose that DiMaggio was. Mm. I didn't see DiMaggio play in person, but he was he was my first Yankee hero, as he was for so many people. And uh, it was it was great to see, uh, you know, families play baseball. You know, because it wasn't just Joe DiMaggio; it was Dom DiMaggio, and I think there was a third brother who was also in the majors for a while. And I was really impressed with that fact that, uh, you know, you can find brothers in different uniforms, you know, they'd be playing against the other, because I think Dom played with the Red Sox. That's correct. For yeah. a good while. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I suppose after DiMaggio, I have to go back to Babe Ruth mm. and find him a spot in my hall of personal Hall of Fame. Uh, Again, a Yankees, Red Sox. Uh, he wore a couple of different uh, jerseys in his career. But I just find it interesting also that Babe Ruth grew up an orphan mm. in Baltimore. And I just wonder uh, about Aaron Judge. Isn't he adopted? And I didn't know if he was an orphan or whether he was in a, always with a family, with a, maybe with a foster mm. family. So I'm always looking to try an interesting parallels with players now in baseball and then in baseball and see if uh, there is any similarity in influences in their lives, what got them involved in baseball. How did Aaron Judge come to baseball, for example? Right. That's interesting. I know Chris Archer, um, former pirate and raised pitcher, was adopted as well. Mm -hmm. um, he's more open about it and telling his story and yeah. helping other kids to get adopted. Yeah. Which is very cool. Um, do you have any non-Yankee favorite players? Like I know maybe Jewish players that you yeah. um, tend to gravitate towards. Well, there are a few. Hank Greenberg, for example. Uh, he was one. a Detroit Tiger. Yes, he was for most of his career or maybe for all of his career. I can't remember. Uh, he's one. Um, I'm not sure if Steve Sachs of the Dodgers was Jewish or not but of course sandy koufax yeah can't leave out him and a number of other players as well just i want to go back toward the uh the story you're telling about babe ruth being an orphan and the connection with aaron judge i'm not really sure if aaron judge i know he was adopted i'm not really sure if he was um like his backstory mm -hmm. but i do recommend people go to if you're going to baltimore to see a game at camden yards stop at the uh babe ruth birthplace it's like a walking distance from camden yards it's really, really? yeah oh, it's really cool I didn't know that. really cool um he grew up in a house it's it's maybe two blocks away from camden yards and highly recommend seeing a game at camden yards too great oh, yeah. oh yes uh we took uh, our kids to Camden Yards because the Yankees were playing there when we were visiting Washington, D.C., and we took the train up to Baltimore and uh, sitting just surrounded by Yankee fans who had driven down or taken the train down from New York City, New Jersey area, uh, for that game. Was, they were so loud, it seemed like there were more Yankee fans than Orioles fans. Okay. Yeah, so, so that's, that's how actually I... I grew up with my grandfather being a diehard Yankee fan. Um, my grandfather, being Italian, loved that there were so many Italians on the Yankees. That's what started his fandom with the Yankees. Phil Rizzuto, Joe DiMaggio, 
Um, Yogi Berra was a personal favorite. Mm -hmm. My dog, my mom named her dog after Yogi Berra. Grissetti. Grissetti, exactly. Uh, But his story was that he would take the train. We grew up an hour from Pittsburgh and an hour from Cleveland. Um, He would take the train up to, I think it was Memorial Stadium in Cleveland was the old name of the stadium. And he would watch the Yankees play in Cleveland once a year. And that's what I would do too because the Yankees are in American League so they didn't come to PNC or Pittsburgh a lot. So I would go, I've been to a lot of games up in Cleveland and um, it was always really fun going to watch them, watch them play up there. And now that you live in Pittsburgh, did you get to see the Yankees when they played the, the Bucks last season? They, I did. I went to both games. It was a two game series and they're also coming back this year. But unfortunately my twin sister scheduled her wedding on the weekend that they're here. I told her she should have looked at the schedule. Well, have you talked to anyone in the Bucks front office and maybe see see if possibility of using the seventh inning stretch for her wedding ceremony? That's <laughs> that's a good idea. I'm actually going to take this up with them. Sarah, get me a yeah, get me someone. I, I got you. I got you, Scott. Nice. So um, after leaving New Jersey and the Northeast, you stayed a Yankees fan. I did. I always kept my interest up in the Yankees wherever I was living, whether it was in Miami or whether I was in Latin America teaching school uh, or even in Central Florida. Um, I I got to see a couple of Yankee uh, spring training games. My dad and I went when uh, they were, I think, in Fort Lauderdale for a couple of years and uh, also went to see the Yankees in spring training uh in tampa back around uh, eight ten years ago yeah we went for spring break yeah i remember seeing um matt was it matt damon not matt damon johnny, uh, johnny <laughs> wrong damon same person same <laughs> different personality <laughs> um we saw him uh, on a in a store we yeah, were shopping he was, at the mall. He, was at, he was at the mall in tampa yeah we get to see him up close yeah very cool that's awesome. Yeah, Legends Stadium, I believe it's called, or Steinbrenner Field. Yeah. 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 Um, beautiful place to watch a game. It's right across the highway from the Buccaneer Stadium, like right in the heart of Tampa. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, say it's the highway. It's just the main road. But yeah. The Mabry Expressway, uh-huh. I think it's called. I don't know why I remember that. <laughs> it's also, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I have a question. What are we going to do? What are the Yankees going to do in left field this year? You're asking me that question? Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought you have a pipeline to the Steinbrenner office at the field. Uh, I, I think that's where you should uh, direct your question to. But if I were high, if I were part of that uh, coterie, part of that gang, I'd say um, make a move. You know, bring in uh, Brian Reynolds, for example, is one possibility. Max Kepler. Another possibility. You want a, someone who bats lefty out there, and then uh, play around and see who who would take uh, uh, Aaron uh, Aaron Hicks, because you know you're not going to need a whole lot of backup if you got uh, Brian Reynolds or Kepler out there in left field. Yeah. So my only connection to the Yankees front office, I know the assistant to the traveling secretary, his name is George Costanza. So I might reach out to him, but um, no, I, I think they need to do, make a move. I like a left-handed bat. They need more lefties. Um, Max Kepler would be a nice piece. He's younger and he might benefit from these changes with the uh, shift and, and um, 
he's good on the bases defensively. So he could be someone that comes over and, you know, you look at his stats now in Minnesota, they're not incredible, but he could come over like Aaron Hicks did for Minnesota for a couple of seasons and outperform and um, he's younger. Thinking about the, the young guys who potentially could step up, do you, do you think that somebody uh, like the uh, Peraza was, was it Os- Peraza, yes. I yeah, I think I think Oswald will start at shortstop. Mm-hmm. Um and I think Cabrera will play a lot. I think Cabrera is a nice he came in during the end of the year last year and played left field in the playoffs. Yeah. Um I think he could be that guy that plays anywhere we need him to on a given day. Mm-hmm. Step in, give guys rest. And I think he's he's got a lot of potential. I like Cabrera, I like Peraza, and I'm really looking forward to Anthony Volpe. The what everyone is saying is the next Derek Jeter. So, what do you think? I don't know. I think he's uh, he's got a seems like he's got a lot more power than Jeter did, and um, I think the only comparison is he, he you know he's from New Jersey and and he was drafted by the Yankees first round, or um, you know he's supposed to be the next up and coming shortstop, but he's definitely going to stay at shortstop. Um, I just think expectations are really high, and I I'm I'm a little bit nervous about that. But I think we need to be patient with him. I think Peraza and Cabrera should start the season on the roster, give him some time at AAA, and we'll see what we have. Uh, Scotty, what do you think is going to happen for uh, the starter at third base for the Yankees? That's a great question. Yeah, I do. So here's how I would start. If I'm I'm Aaron Boone, I would put Glaber at second. I would put Peraza at short. And I would put LeMahieu at third. And I think you can mix and match guys at third. You can put LeMahieu at second whenever you want to when you're spelling Glaber. Um, I think you could move Peraza over to third, too. I think you could play IKF. I think IKF is a good bench piece, too. If you have IKF and Cabrera. Um, Remind the audience who IKF is again. Yo, that's good. Good, yeah. yeah. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Uh, he was our starting shortstop for most last year. And he got a bad rep around Yankee fans because... You know, we had these young guys that everyone's really excited for, and he doesn't really have much power, but he'll give you a good 270. He'll he's one heck of a defensive player, isn't yeah. He, he is. He start, he came up as a catcher, actually. And, um, you know, I think he's a great utility player. I think anyone would like to have him, um, on their bench. I just don't know if he's your everyday shortstop. Um, so I would not. I know Boone has an, uh, has a love for Donaldson, which I don't really understand. But um, maybe, I would maybe the issue is not so much Donaldson, but Donaldson's contract. He, he's owed yeah. many millions of dollars for a couple more years, isn't he? That's definitely the problem. I think Donald Donaldson and Hicks are kind of immovable right now. Like you'd have to give a team something to take them. Um, so I, you know, I you see these rumors that they're exploring trade options for both, but you're they're not getting anything in return for either of them due to the contract. If it was up to me, I th- I wish we still had Gio Ursula. I really liked him at third base. Uh, you think, Sarah? What do I think about yeah, what? About the Yankee situation. Um, I think Aaron Boone has outstayed his welcome. I think they should have gotten rid of him this off season, yeah. but since that's not the case, um. Yeah, I think they do need to make a little bit more moves. I would be 
sad for the Pirates, but elated for the Yankees if they did get Brian Reynolds. And I think he could be a, definitely a value there. And we know Brian Reynolds wants to get traded. He does not want to be in Pittsburgh anymore. So I think that's a good fit. Um, other than that, I'm I'm indifferent. <laughs> well, seeing that we're also talking about the Pirates in this discussion, oh, what do both of you think about uh, the Pirates 2023? You think they're a 500 team? I think, yes. I think they're a 500 team. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think they have a lot of good pieces, and I think Kutch, as a veteran, really brings those soft skills that aren't necessarily quantifiable in a box score but can help a clubhouse. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to differ a little bit here. I don't think they're a 500 team yet. Um, I think they've added some cool, great pieces as veterans, like Rich Hill is a good veteran presence in the rotation. Kutch is a good veteran presence uh, with the position players, the young guys. They brought in Carlos Santana, who's been to a lot of playoffs. Um, I just think that I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm really lost at what they're doing with Brian Reynolds. I, I think with his age, I think he's 20, 29 already. He's nearing 30. He's not getting any younger. I, you know, I understand him wanting to get paid. I would, he's got three years left of control right now. He, his value will never be higher. You're risking going into the year with him coming out slow. And he kind of did last year, right? He started a little bit slow and then turned on at the end of the year. So, I if if you don't see him as I think they need to decide if they see him as part of their future plans, um, and at the latest they need to move him by this deadline because this is the deadline's typically when you get more teams are desperate they want to build their team for the playoffs they're gonna they're gonna make that move in the midseason to make their team better for the next few months, but you know I think the Pirates need to make that decision now they need to say is Reynolds a part of our if a part of our organization or next great team or not if he is they need to extend him and give him the money he's worth kind of like Cleveland I know the Pirates don't spend a lot of money but you know Cleveland should be a model organization for them in my opinion um Cleveland keeps a pretty good team on the field majority of the time um they're always really competitive they have a star player in jose ramirez they locked him up for six seven years and gave him the money he's owed the pirates could do the same thing they just need to decide if reynolds is a part of that next great team i'm gonna go out on a limb and i don't know if it's that long of a limb but i'm gonna go out on one and say brian reynolds will not be on the opening day roster for the pirates that being the case who would you say would be in center field for the Pirates? Any, any predictions? No, no predictions. Do you have any predictions? This is a Papa Stein interview, not oh, rather than me interviewing yeah, you. Yeah, how the turntables have turned. Oh, I know you love asking questions. This is an interview about you. Uh, I don't know enough about the farm system of the Pirates. Yeah, probably you guys do to uh, speculate who might uh, come in to play center field or who might be moved over from left field to center or right field, who's got the arm, who's got the mobility. Yeah. Um, I'd say any number of prospects, um, just not Brian Reynolds yeah. at this juncture. Right. Yeah. I don't even know if the next center fielder is on the roster, not to be honest with you. I They have some guys that could play there, like if their former first-round pick, Travis Swaggerty, turns it around he could come up and play center field 
Um, they have a couple other guys they just traded for from Toronto. They got this Ch- Chavez Young, who I think is more of a bench fourth outfielder, but he's got a lot of speed, plays a good center field. Um, also, I think Cal Mitchell can play a little bit of center field, but then again, like these aren't like great options behind Brian Reynolds. So I don't know. It's barring, I think, a huge um, someone having a huge outbreak this year. So we consider a whole new way of understanding how you want to score runs whether you're going to play small ball whether you look for the homers if you replace uh, brian reynolds with somebody who's a great defensive uh, guy who's got a great arm and is fast he, i mean he'll still steal bases for you then maybe that would uh, change the whole complexion of the team yeah maybe they bring jackie rally jr to play center and have Kutch DH for him or, you know, Kanan Smith or someone else with a, with a bigger bat. Yeah. Not saying Kutch has a big bat, but bigger than JBJ. <laughs> Good to see Kutch back in, in the Bucks uniform, isn't it? It's, it's exciting. He's so well-loved here. He really is. Yeah. I'm really excited that he's back. I mean, I think it's going to definitely sell some tickets this year. Um I think, you know, you're going to get a lot of people coming out to the ballpark. Um, and hopefully, you know, he has a good season and they, they keep re-signing him until he doesn't want to play anymore. Because I think, you know, Kutch is, is a pirate. He's the def, he's the pirate of my lifetime. Um, so, I don't know. I, I just hope it, I hope it goes well. And I, and, I, and I hope they do turn it around this year because there was, you know, a projection of them having a lot more wins than last year. Um, I don't quite see it yet, but I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. My turn to ask the questions, Papito. I was going to ask a question and answer it myself. Oh, let's do that. Uh, if there was such a thing as a an ancillary baseball Hall of Fame uh, to Cooperstown, um, where might it be? And to me, to answer that question, I would say. You have the beginnings of it right here in Pittsburgh with the Roberto Clemente Museum. And uh, maybe it's something that the people who are in connected to the museum as well as connected to the pirates and community leaders would think about uh, an expansion of the museum to bring in uh, other top players who maybe grew up in this region or who played for the pirates that can be included in the in the muse- an expanded museum. Yeah, and also when you ask that question, the Negro League Museum comes to mind in Kansas City, um, which is run by Bob Kendrick, great guy, great storyteller. He knows so much about the history of the game. Um, I think that would also be a great answer to the question and answer yeah. ancillary 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 museum to the Hall of Fame. Right. There's those possibilities. I'm not sure that if uh, if that's within the realm of the possibility or the probability, but there's some certain a lot of there are a lot of possibilities out there for what you can do to attract uh, baseball fans mm. to uh, to the city. Uh, and I also wondered if maybe uh, the uh, the PNC ballpark could set up a an exhibit, a rotating exhibit of items from the Clemente Museum at the ballpark Yeah, to tell people, you know, inform people about the museum and also about the history 
of pirate baseball. Yeah, they do actually have a booth sometimes at games um, of the museum and of collectibles that are at the museum. But yeah, it's a great idea. Uh, switching gears here, what has been, besides Yankee Stadium, what has been some of the favorite ballparks that you've been to? I enjoyed my time at the, uh, in Baltimore. Uh, I went to see uh, the Dodgers uh, in, in, in L.A. I've seen the Angels back when they were in Anaheim and not in Los Angeles. Well, they're still in Anaheim, but they're just called the Los exactly. Angeles Angels. What's up with that? Yeah, what is up with that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those were enjoyable times. I also enjoyed um, seeing the Astros. Mm in uh, what they call H-Town, I guess. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> At Minute Maid. We were there Minute for the playoffs. Yes, we were. The only playoffs game we've been to. That's right. Yeah, same. It was. For me, it was a great experience. Yeah. I loved it. The only problem was watching the game from our seats because everybody wanted to stand up for every play in front of us. Wait a minute. I can't see. The, I came here to see baseball. I didn't see, see, want to see the back of people's heads. Yeah, people were excited. They couldn't oh, even right. stay in their seats. It was very yes. exciting, yes. even though we they lost to the Red Sox eventually. But sure, look, it, it was definitely some of the best baseball I've ever yes, seen. It yeah, it was very exciting. I think uh, also just to add to that, I think Minute Maid Park is one of the most underrated ballparks in the country. I, I went, I want to say five years ago, I saw a Rangers-Astros game where Texas and Houston were vying for a playoff spot. This was at the beginning of Houston's run mm. and it was a really exciting game um i love the ballpark i love the area around it it was pretty cool yeah we had a great time oh yes yeah great seats besides mm -hmm. the whole standing thing um yes. and the area was good too we had a gorgeous hotel we just enjoyed it mm -hmm. immensely yes what did you say yeah it was a great experience and, and the whole time that we were there and going out to eat great restaurants the barbecue place that we went to yeah Oh, it was a good time. Houston's a terrific town. Yeah. H-Go. <laughs> I have a question for Papa Stein. Now, with all the recent rule changes, is there something that you would change about the game to make it better? Yes. How about um, making all the umpires robotic? What do you think about that, Scotty? What do you think about it? Do I? Oh, well, I threw that out there, yes. You want to see that change? That would be great to see in spring training, experiment with, with that. They actually did have it in the Arizona Fall League this past year. How did that work out? Think, well, I think we reported on the last podcast that uh, they're actually making all the – gonna, they're going to have robot arms in AAA. So they're testing it. It looks like it's along, coming along. What are the uh, real-life uh, folks uh, who are behind the plate these days, what do they think about robots replacing them? I would think that they're – not too happy but they're still going to be behind the plate i think they get from my understanding i believe they they are still behind the plate but they make the call based on um a system right don't they get the call on uh, i'm not really sure how it works that's like something we could look into yeah, but. Definitely. Not sure. are they using trackman and then the ump's job is to read trackman now i don't know but maybe it'd be interesting to have somebody familiar with that uh, on your podcast yeah great idea. idea yeah I did see, though, during the Arizona Fall League uh, when they were testing, I think they've been testing in the last couple of years, um, players can um, challenge a call. They can talk, touch the top of their head and look up at the press box, and that's like their signal to, hey, let's look at that. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just I think maybe what Major League Baseball should also consider is reducing the number of games in a season yeah. down to 150. Okay, why 150? Well, that way you be when you're playing uh, when there are players you want to nickname as Mr. October, then it would apply to just about anybody because you end up finishing your your season and the playoffs in October instead of November. Yeah, but then Derek Jeter wouldn't be Mr. November. Well, actually, that means he keeps the name. Oh, you're right. Yes. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you see? for? What are you excited about for this upcoming season, whether it's Yankees or just for the game in general? Well, mostly about the baseball in general. I'm always excited about spring training. Just the idea. I, I get chills just thinking about spring training is coming up, and then the season starts again. That's such a in my head that really brightens my my day brightens my thinking uh about the the year what you know the events coming up in the year you know valentine's day mother's day father's day baseball yeah baseball is very very good to you that's right <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm excited for the college season is starting soon we have the world baseball classic um, it just feels like baseball is right around the corner. We're going to hear the crack of the bat. We're going to hear the ball hitting the mitt. Like, it's just, it's a beautiful sound to me. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the season. It's, um, I'm really excited for the World Baseball Classic coming up. That's going to be fun to watch. But we also have the Caribbean World Series coming up this Thursday. I think it starts. They're streaming it on TV. So yeah. something to look out for. Do we know who's playing in it, Scotty? So it's actually, I think it's the best team from each league, winter league. And they're going to be meeting. It's always host one country hosted. So this year's in Caracas, and um, so the winner of the the Dominican League, the Puerto Rican League, um, the Colombian League, the Mexican League. I believe Curacao even even has a team that plays because I saw they're on the schedule. Um, but uh, the only team that I know for sure that won is the the Tigres, right, Sarah, from uh, the Dominican League. Oh yeah, I mean you would know better than me. You you love the Caribbean League so much. But, yeah. yeah, Mel Rojas Jr. walked it off in the Dominican World Series. He's a former Bucko. Yeah. So it's pretty cool to watch. Can he play center field? <laughs> I actually think he is a center fielder. <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe the, the Pirates. Yeah, yeah, maybe the Bucks reacquire him. Yeah. Okay. All right. Can you give us your um, prediction for the 2023 Yankees? How do you think they'll finish this year? I think they'll finish uh, with at least 95 uh, victories, okay. 95 wins, and uh, they'll be in the playoffs, and they'll go deeper in the playoffs than they did in 2022. Okay. Great prediction. I hope it comes true. <laughs> I hope so, too. You and me both. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We're going to finish our one and rate and comp if you'll uh, join us along with that. I will. Okay. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. All right. What do we think of this Tempranillo, this uh, Vina Haraba wine? Take a final sip and then we'll come back with our reading. What do you got on it, Scotty? Alrighty. 
I really like this wine. Um, I, I do like a full-bodied wine. Um, this is a little smoky for me. Um, it definitely does take on the the taste of the the barrel um, that I was sitting in. You could tell I was sitting in a barrel. Um, I am going to give it a fifty. Do you know how to say that in Spanish? Uh, oh man, I forget. Try cincuenta. Cinquenta. No, that's cinquenta. Italian. That's Italian. I'm sorry, I'm learning Italian right now. It's cinquenta. Yeah, cinquenta. Cinquenta. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna give it a sesenta, a sixty. I really like this one. I prefer the smokiness um, of a wine. I'm not a big mezcal fan, but I prefer more smokiness in wine than I do in in hard alcohol. Um, yeah, I think this is really delicious. I think it's slightly above league average. What from a twenty to eighty scale? How would you rate this one? Uh, I would rate it a forty-five. I wish it were more full-bodied. Mm than uh, it is, that I can sense that it is. Um, for that reason alone, I would just give it a 45. Nice. Okay. So let's do a comp. I have to think of a 60 player. Do you have a player in mind already, Scotty? I do. Um, there's recent news. There's been some contract extensions, and this name came to mind, Yandy Diaz for the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, he is an um, extreme contact guy. Uh, reliable, top of the order bat. Um, puts the ball on the ground a little more than my liking, but uh, makes a lot of contact. So he's a solid fifty. Uh, I, I like that comp for for this one. It's 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 a league average. It's 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 got um, some aspects of it that I'm not um, a fan of, but um, I think it's a it's a solid one. All right, I like it. I like it. I'm going to say this is, I mean, I really like it. I'm trying to find, I think this is the Joey Votto. The Joey Votto, yeah. Um, really good. It's above league average. It has a personality. It's definitely one of a kind. I'm going to say this is the Joey Votto. Do you have a, a comp, a player comp for your rating? Uh, not off the top of my head, Sarah. Okay, no worries. No, I don't. Do you have any 45s players that come to mind for you, Scotty? You could help out so Yeah, I, when I think of 45s, I think of, you know, utility players, relievers, maybe back of the rotation starters. Um, you know, let's go with like IKF, Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Well, that's good. I'll vote for that. All there right. There you go. So has the Vinya Haraba as a Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Um, all right. Well done. Thanks for thanks again, Papa San. Gracias mucho. That's not what you say, but um, gracias otra vez for coming on. A usted le gracias, señora, señorita y señor. Fue increíble, ¿no? Muy, muchísimas gracias. <laughs> okay. Muchísimas gracias a ti. Gracias, Papa Stein. We, we hope to have you back maybe, you know, mid-season to see if the Yankees are on track for 95-plus wins. Bambinos. <laughs> Salute. 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 Intro music by Jordan Montgomery and Driving Wall Black Records. Uh, look, big paper, I increase my wealth. Uh.
Red wine, that's good for my health uh, Wrestle with demons, I ain't take no L's uh, Allow me to introduce myself I said, big paper, I increase my wealth huh? Red wine, that's good for my health uh, Wrestle with demons, I ain't take no L's huh? Allow me to introduce myself Oh, thank you.